This is the All About 80s Music Podcast with John Mysick and Steve Ojello. Hey, this is Steve Ojello, and I'm here with John Mysick. Merry Christmas and happy fourth night of Hanukkah to you, Steve. Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah, John. Today, John and I share our favorite 80s Christmas songs, ending with a definitive top five best of all time. So grab a cup of cheer, a Christmas cookie. This is going to be a lot of fun, so let's not waste any time and get right into it. So, John... Popular Christmas songs have been around since the 1930s, but we know that it was the greatest decade that brought some of the biggest original hit Christmas songs, as well as distinct remakes that have stuck around for the past 40 years. Looking at some of the 80s classics that everybody knows, in addition to the indie songs, some which have become cult classics, I'd love to get your initial thoughts on the immense contribution that the greatest decade brought to Christmas music. You know, Steve, I am just a monster Christmas nerd. Um, I look forward to this time of year all year long. As you know, my family is a, a ballet family, so our, our year is anchored by the Nutcracker, my daughter dancing in that. And it's always the week after the Nutcracker, Steve, that the mysex go out um, and we get our Christmas tree and we trim the tree. And the way we trim the tree in the, in the mysex household, Steve, we put on a Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. And then that's immediately followed by a custom-built playlist of some of my favorite pop holiday classics that we'll get into here in a moment. You know, it wouldn't be Christmas to me, Steve. It wouldn't be the holiday season to me um, without music of any kind. I mean, from traditional carols to the pop tunes we're going to talk about now. So I'm going to get things rolling uh, by rewinding the clock, my good friend, to uh, 1975. Uh, and Greg Lake, and I believe in Father Christmas. Uh, he wrote the lyrics with Peter Sinfield. This is a protest against, ironically enough, against the com- commercialization um, of Christmas. It lifts some of its motifs from Sergei Prokofiev's uh, Lieutenant Gear Suite. So it, it's it's very proggy. Uh, it's a great sort of very stately Christmas song, and you know I just I just love it a lot. I think it's a fantastic example of an original Christmas song. And we both know that writing a Christmas song that endures decade is no easy task. Um, There are a lot of artists that try and fail over the years, but Greg Lake venturing out from ELP, I feel really hit a home run with the song and there's a beautiful sentiment behind it. It's just a song we're so blessed to have in our Christmas repertoire every year. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Steve, what is, uh, what is your first pick? I'm going with Jingle Bell Rock from Hall & Oates. So, (laughs) This is a fantastic remake of the Bobby Helms classic. There was both a John Oates vocal version as well as a Daryl Hall vocal version, if you could remember back to 1983. I love the fun vibe of this song's video as well. I love that in the video, they all look like they had fun making it. It got a lot of play on MTV in the early years. And, you know, everybody works hard all year long, and then the holidays come, and everybody gets to relax and let loose. And this video is a great example of that. You had G.E. Smith, a guitar player, dressed up like a grandma with the white gloves on, playing that fantastic guitar solo. You had T-Bone Walt dressed up like the grandpa. It was, it was just a really fun, memorable, enjoyable video from the original Hall & Oates lineup and a classic song that I listen to every year. 
Uh, Steve, that one leaps to mind to me um, all the time. It's actually on that custom-built uh, Christmas playlist I was talking about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, you know, you talk about T-Bone Wolk, God rest his soul, um, one of the great session bass players and just a really versatile player. Uh, he wrote a column for Guitar Magazine that I read when I was a very young bass player, taught me quite a lot. Um, and just such a fun vibe with the Christmas sweaters and the holiday cheer. And, you know, I can see that video um, in my mind's eye as we sit here talking about it. It was a holiday staple on uh, on MTV. And MTV always took on a really special cast, I thought, during the holiday season because they interspersed those holiday videos alongside the uh, the regular pop songs. It was always fun to like see the pretenders in one second. And then, you know, uh, Brian Adams doing, we're going to have a reggae Christmas in the next. So, uh, you know, I always loved that. It was a magical time during the early years of MTV for sure. And let me ask you right now, where can people find this holiday playlist of yours? I'm going to drop the uh, that play the link to my Spotify playlist into the uh, into the comments on the YouTube version of the pod, so you can drop in there. I'll also drop it into the description of the pod. So if you if you listen to the pod on Spotify or iHeart or uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get uh, podcasts, Steve, uh, you'll see it there as well. Awesome, that'd be good to have. All right, so I'm going with um, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Um, this song was released in 1979, November of 1979. And all I could say about this is Paul McCartney, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, gave us a memorable, classic, original Christmas song. This song was so definitive to the Christmases in the 80s. And like so many other Paul songs over the years, it actually charted in the top 10 in numerous countries. Continues to be one of my favorites every year. Yeah, this, you know, this is a good one. It's got that It's got that kind of cheesy synth riff. And I seem to recall reading someplace that Paul bought that synth. And the first thing he did was um, was write this tune. It's so bouncy. It's, it's so upbeat. And I, I hear the chorus in my head right now. I'm not going to inflict my singing voice on the listeners, but it's, it's irresistible. And once you hear it, it's uh, it's stuck in your head all day long. Leave it to Paul. Well, of course, leave it. The, the man has an undeniable way with a melody. So, Steve, uh, I'm going to maybe put a somber cast on the pod here, but uh, perhaps only for a moment. Um, just this last week, uh, Shane McGowan, the great frontman, formerly of the Pogues, uh, left us, age 56. He and Kirsty McCall. Uh, in 1987, put out what has now become uh, an absolute Christmas classic in Fairy Tale of New York. This Irish style folk ballad, just now uh, indelible. And you know, if you caught footage of uh, McGowan's funeral uh, in Dublin, Glenn Hansard uh, from Once and from the Swell Season played a version of this song. And by the end of it, people were climbing out of their pews and they were dancing in the aisles of this church. Um, I can think of no greater tribute to McGowan than to have people dancing in the aisles to one of his songs. He was a guy who liked to drink. He was a guy who liked a good time. Um, I can only imagine that he was um, smiling on approvingly somewhere. And I will say, Steve, this was one that was kind of a grower for me. It kind of just, it, it has sort of creeped onto my radar over the last, say, five or seven years. Um, after not really being in sort of my canon of great Christmas songs, but it just, once you hear it with the tin whistles and the traditional Irish folk arrangements, it just it just screams Christmas. It's nice that you brought up the Pogue song, John. That has been a classic for decades and one that is loved by so many people across the world. Beautiful sentiment. 
So, Steve, for my next pick, I'm going with Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones. Another great Ramones song where the I don't want to do something is in the title. Yeah, I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to sniff glue. You know, it's the quintessential Ramones, uh, Ramones tune. Yeah, and the funny thing about this is this one's another example of a bunch of Jewish guys writing a great Christmas song. Uh, you know, you got classic songs like Holly Jolly Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Rocket Around the Christmas Tree, all of written by the uh, pioneer Jewish songwriter Johnny Marks. Those Tin Pan Alley songwriters, they wanted to give the listening public something great, and gosh darn it, if they didn't come up with uh, with something fun. And this is just, you know, it's a classic Joey Ramone vocal here. Uh, it's a classic Speedy Ramones arrangement with an indelible pop hook. And I just love this one. And because, you know, we're an interfaith family over here at the Mysick household, uh, we light Hanukkah candles just as much as we celebrate Christmas. So this one sometimes slots in in nicely to our holiday tradition here uh, for us. Great rockin' song. And being from Long Island, I love that they mentioned Mineola in the video. That's the town where Steve Ojello was born, Mineola, Long Island. So they shout thank out. The, thank the good people of Long Island for giving us the Christmas gift that is you, Steve. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Well, I think the next one on our list is Chris Rea driving home from Christmas. Steve, this is a Christmas song, again, like Fairytale of New York, that, it, that has come to me over the last, uh, say, five or six years. I started listening to Radio Essex in the UK, gosh, I don't know, back around 2016. And, you know, they play a lot of Christmas songs on there that don't necessarily rise up and get airplay in the United States. And this is one of them by the English singer-songwriter Chris Rea, originally released as a, as a B-side to his single Hello Friend in 1986. In October 1998, a re-recorded version served as one of two new songs on Rea's first compilation record new light through old windows and this is the fourth single uh, from the album december 1988 peaking at number 53 on the uk singles chart but it, it nonetheless has become a christmas classic for english listening audiences and we can all appreciate the sentiment steve we all drive home for christmas whether it's from you know whether it's to chelmsworth or south end on sea or to mineola um, or to Torrington, Connecticut, or White Plains, New York, wherever you call home, we all drive home for Christmas. You know, and Stephen, I talk about these songs. One of the things that leap most, all of the songs we're talking about today, one of the things that leaps most readily to mind to me is, is being a kid in Hartford and driving home from my, from my Nana's house and hearing these songs on the radio on a cold night in Connecticut in December, the frost against the glass. Uh, the lights uh, of the houses outside and all of these songs that we're talking about tonight um, sound tracking it. Um, so, I mean, this song from Rhea is kind of like a, a perfect distillation of all of that, because we all have that memory of, of with Christmas songs on the radio, driving home from a loved one's house, with mom and dad in the car. Maybe we're in the back seat, maybe we're in the front seat. But, uh, you know, there's something really universal, I think, to the experience. Beautifully said, and I agree 100 percent. So, Steve, this is a uh, Chris Damey, co-leader of, of the New York by way of North Carolina power pop outfit, the BBs, back in the late 80s. He put together a Christmas record, invited a bunch of friends over, bandmates over to play on it. This was one of them. I remember standing in the West Palms Mall in West Hartford, Connecticut. God, it must have been 1988, 1989, first time I ever heard this. I never heard it before. I, I only had the vaguest notion of, his, of who Chris Damey was. Fell in love with the song, ran out, found the compilation. That put me down the road of falling in love with the DBs, of falling in love with all of these great North Carolina indie pop bands of the 1980s. Um, 
and it's, it's just you know it's just part of a of a whole mood. And then later on uh, in life, as I was playing music and, and making records, I was lucky enough to meet a lot of these people. I know you're told never you should never meet your heroes, but uh, to a person, Steve, they're all just fine, great, wonderful people. And now when I listen to this, there's sort of a an added human element to it as well. So so Chris Damey Christmas Time is a beautiful song, and I'm glad you brought it up. But um, I think we have to talk about one of the coolest rock and Christmas songs out there for sure, one that was released in the 70s and always has made its way onto radio and has totally become a, a kind of underground classic. And I'm talking about the Kinks' Father Christmas Time, which I know is a favorite of yours. Uh, you know, it, this, is, this is great. It, it's... Uh written from the perspective of a mall Santa getting roughed up by some kids. Father Christmas, give us some money. You know, it's it, it was mugged by working class kids who don't want to leave his presents for the little rich boys. Um, Dave Davies said the song, I love the humor of it. I love the aggression. I love the bitterness. I could see the faces of my parents when Christmas came around. They had a struggle to make ends meet. Um, you know, it's, again, a very, a very quintessentially sort of English perspective um, on Christmas. Ray Davies has this great way of writing short stories into music and this is uh, another instance of that and on top of it it's a fantastic freaking song one of the coolest christmas songs out there for sure absolutely the 12 days of christmas <laughs> i know you 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 have a history with this song so steve this is a, a mysic family favorite there's a great uh, memory to this now bob and doug mckenzie for the listeners who might not know fictional canadian brothers who hosted great white north um, a sketch show that debuted on SCTV on CBC Television in 1980. Bob was paid by the great Rick Moranis, who many listeners will know. Doug was played by Dave Thomas. Um, they became a pop culture phenomenon in the United States uh, with Strange Brew, uh, a cult movie that you'll still see every once and again on HBO. But this one, so it's it's a takeoff of the 12 Days of Christmas, except instead of the usual stuff that you get something in 12 Days of Christmas, it's interspersed with Canadian classics. So on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave me a beer. And if you know the characters, it's all very silly. So I used to play it in the car when my daughter was very young. We played on the way to ballet. We played on the way to school uh, during Christmas time. And by the end of it, she knew all the words. So we used to be able to sing along in the car, much to my wife's everlasting corner, although I will say Marnie has finally come around on it um, and enjoys the in-joke as well. And um, we were just doing the, you know, my daughter is in Pittsburgh now. I'm up here in, in Boston and we're on FaceTime and darn it if we weren't singing the 12 days of uh, Christmas to each other. I would I would put this in the uh, dad rock Christmas song category. It's, da- it's dad joke, dad humor. I, you know, <laughs> my daughter loves it. I feel like I've done something right as a parent. <laughs> awesome. I, I think it's important to mention that Bob and Doug McKenzie were part of that SCTV family uh, mm-hmm. back in like the late 70s, early 80s, right? Yep. Uh, on the UHF stations, if you remember, like back then, we had we had VHF stations, which stood for very high frequency, where you had channels 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, right? And then you had UHF, where you can sort of scramble these low-budget shows in from different places on the television set. Well, way, yeah, way back when, the UHF, the UHF was Wild West, because these were like... <laughs> Sort of like low-budget stations, they need to fill the air with, like, whatever, and you that's where you would find this stuff. And, and it would come in from anywhere, really. Oh, yeah. Any I reason. remember on the one set that we had, we had the UHF dial, but within the UHF dial was another dial that you had to kind of, like, turn and monkey around to, like, right. tune the signal in just right. Because these were, you know, 
very low-powered stations a lot of the times, you would have trouble pulling the signal in over your rabbit ears. But what you could find was gold when you could find it. That's where I saw the Muppet Show for the first time, Steve. It's where I saw Benny Hill for the first time on UHF stations. Oh, yeah. So they had, a, they had air to fill, man, and they were just throwing anything up there. It was a magical time before the Internet and cell phones. Yes. Okay. Now it's time for our top five 80s Christmas songs. Steve, coming in at number five, it may be last on the list, but it is one of the songs that is nearly first in my heart. I'm talking about Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy, the duet between the late David Bowie and the late Bing Crosby from 1977. Steve, remember the video for this one? Uh, It's the Bing Crosby holiday special and kind of walking around this English manor. Uh, The door opens and in stumbles David Bowie who lives next door. Uh, They start talking about their shared holiday traditions and they alight upon upon this song as a shared interest and then duet on it. And a really great commercial success for Bowie at a time when he was going through some tough stuff. It was Crosby at the end of his life, kind of went out the door with that one. And I don't know, there's something about it, Steve, that it, you know, it is one of those songs that reminds me the most vividly, I think, of, of the Christmases of my youth when we first got MTV, which is where I saw it for the first time. And get that soaring melody and the counterpoise between Crosby and Bowie's vocals. Just a classic all the way around. I think the word I would use to describe the song is special, right? Absolutely. What And what made this so special for me as a kid in the late 70s and early 80s was really seeing how nicely a modern-day rock star paired up with an old-time singer, right? No one expected to see Bowie and Bing together, so that on its own was surprising. But seeing how well it worked and how special the song and the video came out, especially when they chatted in the beginning, it was in a likely combination. And the song just turned out to be a beautiful classic, which has become a staple on radio since its release back in the you know 77 or 82, whatever. I, I know it was recorded in 77. It was 1977, Steve. Um, they actually recorded it in September. It was the last one of the last things Crosby did before his death. Um, in October 1977. The interesting thing about this, too, is the Peace on Earth counter melody uh, that Bowie sings was specifically written by the show's musical supervisors, Ian Fraser and Larry Grossman. Uh, It's a special insert to give them something to uh, duet on, and they just captured lightning in a bottle there. It was magic. All right, Steve, number four, what's your pick? So I'm going with one of my all-time most-loved Christmas songs from 1982, Billy Squire's Christmas is a Time to Say I Love You. Billy originally released a live version of the song as a B-side to My Kind of Lover, but he premiered the version that we all know and love on MTV in 1982 as he sat amongst the VJs and the MTV staff. This video for me represents MTV's early years so well when the station was new and homemade and nothing was yet corporate or polished. The song is full of good cheer and the version I listen to the most is the actual MTV recording. Definitely in my top personal top five. Well, Steve, I mean, it's such a fun, happy song. It's total sing-along, and God knows we do that in the Mysick household when the song comes up on the um, the Christmas list. And yeah, I mean, I can't get that image of, like, Squire sitting among Martha Quinn and Alan Hunter and Mark Goodman and J.J. Jackson and all of these sort of the MTV staff who were probably three sheets to the wind by then from the company Christmas Party because it was the beginning of MTV. 
it was still complete chaos, complete anarchy. It hadn't become the corporate behemoth that it would become in later days. And it was it was kind of fun because you could just imagine them kind of like getting together and, and having a bit of a sing. You know, Steve, this song has been covered a bunch of times since by Darlene Love, by Alexa Vega, uh, by the alt-country outfit SR71, who, by the way, turned in the most faithful rendering of the Squire version. I commend it to listeners. And even Catherine McPhee. Uh, Mrs. David Foster has uh, recorded this song, releasing it in uh, October of 2010. Steve, if you're a kid in the 80s, in the early days of MTV, uh, this one is just straight up uh, burned into your brain. All right, my sake, time for the number three song, Wham's Last Christmas from 1984. So this song had to be in our top five, hands down. One of the best original Christmas songs of all time, The main video on YouTube uploaded 14 years ago has 825 million views. It's truly a remarkable work. It's perfect in every way. An iconic George Michael whisper, Merry Christmas. I want to mention something that no one brings up about this song. The drum machine programming is excellent. It's really only a kick, a snare, a crash cymbal, and there's a hi-hat back there. Yeah, um, but but no toms, no toms in this song, and all the fills are kick and snare. It's simple, but it's so extremely effective and works so well in the song. This could easily have been number one on our list. You know, I'm still astounded by the immense level of songwriting that George brought from the years 1984 to 1970. It was just on a different level compared to so many contemporary songwriters of the time. You and I were so lucky to experience the song in real time when we were 13, 14 years old. Just amazing. You know, Steve, he wrote this thing in practically no time flat as well, which was the amazing thing. He like he had the melody, he pepped it out on a keyboard, he played bass on it, he did the Lindrum programming, they added the sleigh bells, and voila, there oh. it was. Just a little bit of holiday magic. It was a double A side, by the way, released with uh, everything she wants in a bunch of uh, European countries as well, trivia fans. Uh, another great and uh, indelible Wham single. Um, story about the video, it was George and Andrew and Shirley Holloman uh, and Pepsi DeMac and Martin Kemp ended up marrying Shirley Holloman. They all went to Switzerland, uh, had a final time together rolling about in the snow and, and basically recorded a Christmas party in real time to go along with the song. Didn't Andrew say that the um, director knew what he was doing? He just kept bringing the wine in. and yeah, they, they kept everybody nice and lubricated, and it just rolled along. Yeah, I mean, it's the only thing you could only do in the 1980s. Made for a great video. It's And again, it's it's one of those examples, uh, Steve, we've talked about George Michael's just incredible skill as, as a songwriter, his incredible skill as a, a pop craftsman. Um, this song is is just a perfect piece of pop from uh, from end to end. And it's just, you know, part of the fabric of, of Christmas now. There's a film last Christmas a couple of years ago with Amelia Clark that came out that this is sort of the underlying premise of the movie. There's, by the way, in the UK now called this this thing called Whamageddon, where you What's have that? to you have to avoid hearing last Christmas for as long as you possibly can try to get to Christmas Day without having heard it, which is well nigh impossible right. because it's everywhere and nobody makes nobody ever makes it all the way through. It's almost like they invented that game because they equate it to one of the most annoying Christmas songs out there, which we will mention. For some people, it is an annoying Christmas song. I can't believe that. I'm not one of those people. You're not one of those people. But there are some misbegotten souls out there for whom it's a plague. One of the best. I don't understand them. 
They must one have been of the best Christmas songs. Traumatizing ever. children. Yes. <laughs> All right. Number two, Mysick. Number two, Steve, where else are we going to go? Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid, the, the charity single of charity singles uh, written by Bob Geldof and Midge York, who raised money for famine relief in Ethiopia. Um, they all told everybody at Sarm West Studios in Notting Hill in November 1984. Duran uh, Duran came off tour, Spandau came off tour, Bam Rama were there, Paul Young was there, Boy George Culture Club was there. Probably their uncles and aunts were there too because the studio was just jam-packed full of pop royalty. Bono, uh, Sting, Tony Hadley from Spandau. Uh, the guys from Heaven 17, um, cool in the game. I That's mean, right. it was literally bloody everybody. You know, I will say this. I mean, there are some people who give the song a bit of stick for its lyrics, and some of them probably don't hold up well under closer affection. Like, there won't be rain in Africa this Christmas time. There's not a lot of rain in some parts of Africa. Or, Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you, which just sounds oh, a little yeah. rich boy and tinier. Uh, to more modern audiences. But I mean, you can look at that, but you can't dismiss the fact that the song did a lot of good. Uh, it was followed by Live Aid in 1985, still one of the single biggest concert events of all time, raised millions of dollars for charity. And Steve, I sort of credit the song uh, for awakening the social conscience in a much younger me. Um, you know, I was 14, not really wise to the ways of the world. And, and it took, you know, it took a pop song to get me to understand there is stuff going on out there that I could be involved in, in, um, in some small way. Um, I have the 12 inch single to this, for instance, I assume the proceeds from little John Mysick's purchase went to, to Ethiopia and, and, and I helped out. I even had a feed the world t-shirt, um, at one point that I wore quite proudly. And it was it was a great time for all of us young kids to um, that to be our first cause and to wake us up to charity and what was happening with the world around us because we were sort of in a bubble in the 80s, you know, with without the Internet, without cell phones. We can only rely on what we saw in the news, which which wasn't a lot because you would only get the news certain times of day. So. Six o'clock, man. Uh, well, that was Uncle Walter or whoever it was on ABC and NBC at those days. And they had the news in the morning, too. Uh, like Dan Rather would not. What would Dan Rather by then? So, so, so you had it in the morning for breakfast and in the evening at dinner. And, and that was pretty much it. So so this was a really good cause. And I tell you, I was going to debate you on why this should actually be the number one song Christmas time for the 80s. And for all the reasons we discussed. You can make um, a really good argument that this, that this should be number one. And I, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have debated it that vigorously. You know, but I didn't fight for it because there, there is a certain heaviness to the song, right? Both in the message and the cause behind it. The song does get a bit emotionally draining because it's so heavy. But, you know, for me, it's, it's a song that signals the start of Christmas season. Everybody's got that song that when yeah. they hear it, okay, it's Christmas time, right? Yes. You know, it, it was the end of the greatest year of music for the 80s, 1984, which we've discussed before. You had all the best English musicians in one room. It was a memorable, magical song, a wonderful video, and all of it so iconically represents why we love the 80s and 80s music so much. Although it was heavy in a lot of ways, it was probably the most important song of the greatest decade and one that is probably the most special of all the songs of the yeah, and There's a really great making of documentary that took viewers behind the scenes of the making of the single for a younger musician, me, that was very cool. You can track it down on the YouTube as well if you're industrious about it. And if you got a spare couple of minutes, um, I, I recommend it. It's a nice window into a, uh, into a very special time. 
Awesome. And now that brings us to the number one John and Steve Christmas song of the 80s. John? There is only one song, Steve, that could be number one. You know it. You love it. You sing it. You dance to it. It's Christmas Wrapping 1981 by The Waitresses. Just a fantastic song. Uh, it's got that great bass line played by Tracy Wormworth. That was sort of Echoes Good Times by, by Chic. You know, it, this was a song that was written fairly quickly by, uh, by the guitarist Chris Butler. Uh, sort of dashed off. He ran into the studio. They recorded it. And then, boom, instant Christmas, uh, instant Christmas magic, Steve. It was very magical. And I, I think out of all the Christmas songs, I listened to this one the most. It's light, it's jovial, it's fun, it's full of good cheer. Not so much in the lyrics, but just it's in the song. Though she hates, she hates Christmas up until the end of the song. Uh, but but the, the overall vibe is, is just a lot of fun, and it's great to listen to, and it's got one of the best bass lines of the 80s, which you mentioned, and that, that iconic saxophone line that's just a little off rhythm that adds to the specialness of it. You know, and uh, that chorus that gets stuck in your head sideways. So much so, in fact, uh, Steve, in fact, that at one of my old newspapers, we would wander up some, behind somebody, sing the chorus into their ears, and then run away. And then about five minutes later, a chorus of obscenities would follow because that earworm would be stuck in their heads for the rest of the day. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's horribly wonderful. And I got to tell you, the, the thing that makes it all worthwhile for me, on top of all that, is, is Patricia Donahue. Such a great singer, full of 80s, too. And a great Irish name, I might add, Patricia Donahue. All the ingredients in this song work. We love the waitresses, and they deliver big time for us with this one. Where else? There's an A&P reference in the song that warmed my little New England heart as well. Um, I was shopping in A&P for holiday stuff when I was a kid, so it made it instantly accessible. Yeah, I mean, Steve, it's just, it's a perfect little pop confection, um, and everything just fires really with it. It is number one in my heart. It is number one on this list. It's a great way to uh, cap this celebration of the songs of the holiday season. There you go. The best number one Christmas song of the 80s, right there. All right, I'm John. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Happy holidays, everybody, however you celebrate and whenever you celebrate. Again, we'll drop the playlist in the comments. Leave your thoughts. We're always happy to hear from you. I'm wishing you the most peaceful of Christmases and uh, the most wonderful of New Year's. And this is Steve saying, until next time, keep it cool, keep it awesome, and keep it totally rad. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays.